Rusty and uh, Toby on a team, I think that is could potentially be lethal. Mm-hmm. Like that is a winning combination right yeah. there, and that leads to the next hot take, which is Keegan won't win more than three lifetime events this year. Whoa. I mean, that's because that he doesn't have a take. You should have gone hotter than that and been like, Keegan won't win a single <laughs> lifetime. What is up, party people? We've got a fun episode for y'all today and is another long one. So I'm going to keep this short and sweet for y'all. We've got Gear Talk, Dylan and his mystery bike sponsor reveal, and I present the guys with five hot takes for the upcoming season. Hit us up with any feedback or question you have for the show at bonkrospodcast at gmail.com, or you can swipe on over to the Bonk Bros Insta page and give that follow button a smash. We've also got a Patreon page for anyone who feels so inclined to throw us a few washies each month and get you that early access pass. All right, all right, let's get this party started. I think we should start by talking about how Dizzle is in such bad shape that he's getting dropped by old men currently. <laughs> Dude, please elaborate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> come on. Right out of the gate. Like, come Are we on. talking old men like uh, Jeff Kabush or just your average I, I, I don't want to insult this particular old man, but I think he's older than Jeff Kabush. <laughs> but like Brian Motter... <laughs> Like, are we talking, you know, like, who are we talking about? Inhumane. Just your normal 52 year old Floridian dude riding with us in Brevard. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We were were riding uh, with this guy. I don't know if he wants to be named on the podcast, so I'll just leave him nameless. But we were riding with this guy. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll tell you later. (laughs) We were were riding with this guy, and um, yeah. So we, we did a six hour ride, and in the last this guy had the most energy in the last hour of the ride and was just straight and drew had the least energy <laughs> drew was I felt like, good i felt good all day and then there was a, a complete energy transfer of like all of the energy i had it went to this guy i think he was like really stoked that he felt better than i did in the last hour <laughs> and that made him feel just so much better because all i was doing was complaining Drew, was this was this the product of you eating honey buns as your only nutrition source no, i didn't have a honey bun but i should have packed like three more i ran out of food like 90 <laughs> minutes from the finish so i was pretty well, hungry <laughs> well we're his dad didn't though. give you any <laughs> Yeah, what well, yeah, well, what, what kind of what kind of normalized shows off? Uh, Dylan probably had extra, yeah. but I was afraid to ask, so I did. I wouldn't have shared it with you. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan's the kind of friend who like because I don't know any of the roads, and I'm like Dylan, I'm bonking. Like, can we just shortest ride home? He's the friend that adds on a 20 minute loop that we didn't have to do, <laughs> even though he knows that I'm like so far gone. Why didn't you just like stop at a gas station and refuel? I don't think there was one. I, I and, gave. You know, also, Dylan's the other. He's the friend that would leave you if you stopped at a gas station. So that's why he's I got a right zone too. <laughs> I gave you the option of of cutting it short to five hours, but you just kept riding with us for yeah, some because reason. Because the fifty two year old dude was going to keep going. I can't. Yeah, I can't cut it short. I can't cut it short if he's going to keep going. I yeah, thought for sure. I thought for sure when I asked him, he was going to say, "Oh yeah, I'm doing five hours," and then I would have been on the fence, and I probably would have went with him. But he immediately was like, "No, I'm doing six. and I'm like, "Well, <laughs> I got to do six. Like, come on, yeah, dude, you got to put that ego aside, Dizzle. You just got to be like, "No, nah, I'm just going to take my ball and go home." 
Well, I also drove all the way to Brevard to ride for two days. And so I was like, well, I should probably just ride as much as I can. <laughs> I felt like garbage. That extra hour is going to move the needle in I April. I felt like garbage the last two hours, but I never like got dropped. Like I was just hanging on. You know what I mean? What? It sounds like he, <laughs> he got, got dropped mad. He got dropped, dropped hard, man. It wasn't that I like... <laughs> I think I was just tired. Like I, I was hungry and tired, but I could still pe- I could still pedal. There's a point at which like you just can't even pedal. I hadn't hit that yet. I was still able to pedal. Were you hangry? Were you like yelling at Dylan? He and was very guy? hangry. I wasn't. I don't get hangry. Come on. I was. Hungry. I mean this. This is about as hangry as I've ever seen Drew for sure. Yeah, I think what I didn't take into account was that I rode six hours the day before with Scott and our other friend and. So I went, so I, then on day two, I think I was still like tired from that day. And I ate my, I, I think I had enough food for a normal six hour ride, but because these were my first two six hour rides of the day and they were of the year and they were back to back, I think I was just way more hungry on the second ride than normal. And I ate all my food in the first four hours. And I'm like, did Dylan make you graze his yard? Like he always does. <laughs> Is that why you didn't have, you didn't have enough protein after your ride on day one? No, Scott was, Scott was still there. So he had all the good stuff. <laughs> Just decaf coffee. And caffeine pills. Scott, how many hours you do on week two? Um, not as many. What? I was hoping for like 37. No, I got tired. Yeah. Scott, Scott was also hurt. Makes sense. <laughs> Scott has a better excuse for hurting, though, because he actually did, like, probably five, six-hour rides in a row. Drew just did two. Yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, when I did, I did four days in a row because the weather, like, was going to be bad on one day. So I was going to take that as the rest day, and that just messed me up. You did four six-hour uh, days in no, a row? No, they weren't all six hours, but, like, four days of training in a row. Wow. I probably did, like, 22 hours in four days. Wait. Yeah. Sick. You know what I did yesterday? Now you're you chilling. What I did yesterday is I was planning to ride five hours, and it was a weird day where the temperature is actually dropping throughout the morning instead of going up. And I knew that, hmm. and I thought I I thought I wore enough clothes, but I clearly didn't because I got so cold that I had to stop at a bakery in Flat Rock, which is like wow, that's an hour something. an hour from my house. And I was like, I'll just sit here and warm up. And then I'll get back on my bike and keep going. And then this old couple in the bakery felt so bad for me because I was like shivering that they just gave me a ride home. Oh, really? My yeah. God. Did you still count <laughs> it though? That's as awesome. training? Wow. <laughs> yeah, you got to keep the keep amount of ride home that Dylan needs is insane. <laughs> I could, like maybe once a year I have you to get a ride from somebody, lot. and Dylan's like talking about it like it's a weekly occurrence. I, I probably got a ride home. Uh, 10 or 15 times since 2023. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> the only ride that I got home last year was at our local race that I like rode to. And then I got heat stroke during the race and had to like oh, get a ride home. Yeah, ride home in the ambulance? <laughs> Dang. <laughs> no, it was in, it was in the, my friend's van, but I was not <laughs> equipped to ride the, the ride, the, the 15 miles back home. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. But yeah. when I got home, I got a hot shower, I took a nap, and then I finished the ride that I was planning on doing. So I did like two and a half hours in the morning and two and a half hours in the afternoon. On the trainer no. or you went back outside? No, dude, I didn't do two and a half hours on the trainer. I went back outside <laughs> with more clothes on and finished it off. Did you, stay in, your sh- did you stay in your chamois the whole time in between? Yeah, I, dude. I mean, that's probably what Scott would have done. 
That's how it. That's how well, it still counts as one ride. Chamois in one day. <laughs> yeah, no way. Dude, that's yeah, a waste of resources. <laughs> Just wear them inside out. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> now, I will say that Scott is probably so afraid of saddle sores at this point that he's out of his chamois in like two seconds as soon as we get back. I don't have to back. worry about saddle sores because I ride in an ISM. <laughs> Is ISM just impervious to saddle sores? You don't get. I mean, I haven't gotten one since I started riding them. So okay, All right. All right, doubles as a tuning fork. Maybe it'll have to get edited out. Do you guys pop those suckers? Or you just let them sit there. Why Does would this have, have to get edited out? Edit this this out. is exactly what Bonk Bros is for. <laughs> what makes you think we do we'll, any we'll, editing we'll, anyways, dude? In twenty one, yeah, we'll we'll preface with we're not medical doctors, so don't take our advice. But we can still give our anecdotal. <laughs> in twenty one, I had to go to the I doctor. Dude, no way. I had to go to the doctor, and I was, you know, obviously completely naked, and propped my leg up on the on the bench, and she, like, had to, like, get down and, like, take a sample of it. Wow. Whoever, whoever did that does not get paid enough. Mm. No. I know. I know. Yeah. Did she I use a scalpel? Just, did she, like, slice it open? No, she. it was like a, I don't know how each I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably, like, cut some some oozing saddle sores open for half a mil a year. Like, <laughs> that seems like enough. He used a Q-tip. Mm-hmm. Stuck it inside and then... Oh, so she, like, punctured it with no, the Q-tip? No, it was open. Gross. Oh, open. Yeah. oh dude. Oh, man. There's a reason I was at the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You waited way too long to go to the doctor. You don't even need a Q-tip for that. It's like, oh, yep, infected. Didn't Tom Pidcock so this year, he wasn't able to race because he had such a bad saddle sore at one point? Yeah. Like he couldn't do the tour of Britain or something? Dude, he weighs like 48 pounds. Why does, I mean, he's not even put any pressure on So what's on the thing. protocol? Do they have to, did they give you a cream or what do they do, Scott? Um, I took like an antibiotic. Because hmm. I was getting like cysts, basically. Like all, not like a lot, but like in my whole body. It wasn't just like under my taint. Oh, from the infected saddle sore? No, just because I, for some, I had some infection, I guess. Whoa. And oh, then, okay. and then okay. when they happened to be on my saddle sore area, then it would create a saddle sore. But like, if it was Dude, somewhere else, gnarly. it wouldn't be that big of a deal. But since you're sitting on a small right location, what's y'all's, what's y'all's go-to remedy? Back there's mom? a you can you can take like a, there's a product someone told me about called Calmiceptine, which is like basically mm. it dries out. It's supposed yeah. to like dry out the skin. Is that, that what Witch Hazel? Is that what Witch Hazel does too? I don't know, dude. Sounds like that's some what that's what thought, shit. <laughs> that's what I thought Witch Hazel did. It just dries it out. It might. I don't know. I usually just use like I legit just use rubbing alcohol yeah. to do the same Witch thing. Yeah. Like if you go to the store, Witch Hazel is right next to. Uh, Comoceptine is for like diaper rash. Like you could probably find it in like the kids, the kids aisle, hmm. or like maybe you have to ask for it over the counter. But is it like a cream or a liquid? Yeah, it's a cream. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, dimolceptine. Calmoceptine. Calmos. Calmoceptine. Yeah, you could just some. not ride two six-hour days in a row, you know? You yeah. could ride, like, 20 hours in a month instead of 20 <laughs> and, hours in a week. And I switched my saddle halfway through. <laughs> oh, my God. Didn't help. Halfway through your ride? I, yeah, because I, I was trying a new saddle, and I was like, this thing is way too hard. 
And so I went to back to my old saddle and you brought a saddle with you on the Wait, ride. So <laughs> Dylan won't, Dylan won't, Dylan won't let you stop to no, no, get a honey was, bun from the gas with, station, but he'll let you stop was, and change your this saddle. Was with Scott on day one. And we stopped a lot on our ride with Scott because Dylan, I think we took us nine what? hours to do a six hour ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were on the side of the road having like a full course and circuitry because our friend's bike his derailleur died. So we're trying to like hook his bike up to Scott's bike so that we can at least just shift it from the little ring to the big ring. So we had like Scott's shifters plugged into his derailleur and it it was like wheels were off and saddles were out. It was like, (laughs) it was like, it was terrible. You just call for a ride. (laughs) No, we no. hadn't even we weren't even like halfway in at that point. We needed to keep no, dude, just ditch that Shimano garbage so and you can always just have a backup battery. Every derailleur dude, into every other Adam, derailleur. Don't act like this doesn't happen with SRAM. This is this happens with SRAM. It does, all but you the can time. bring a backup yeah, battery. That's what I was exactly. saying. I was saying. sitting there with you SRAM. You can't bring a backup and Shimano battery. And I was like, battery. if we were all on SRAM right now, all I'd have to do is hand you my battery and we would keep riding. Like 100 percent I've like, also had a SRAM right. shifter die mid-ride, like mid-four or five-hour ride, and I just went to the grocery store and got the, whatever, the little coin cell battery to plug in. 2032 yeah. coin yeah. cell. Yeah. He had two. one of those in his saddlebag, and it was yeah. It was like the actual, it was the actual pro move. battery. That's a pro move, Scott. Don't let Dylan make fun of your saddlebag. Okay, but the fact, proper. the fact that the shifter can run out of batteries and then you need a coin cell for it, what if but it runs out of also Shimano. Shimano, yeah, Shimano, Shimano shifters use thing. a coin cell. Yeah, since Why, you're on eleven speed, just, you like, wouldn't know. It, they last oh, like two yeah, years, yeah. so you just never even gotcha. think about it. The, so the eleven speed doesn't use a coin shifter. No, because it's wired to. Okay, everything's wired together. But Shimano, no. it's like yeah. only the derailleurs are wired, like, and the rest. is Imagine wired. if you're if you have an important race, and then mid race your shifter coin cell battery runs out, then just leave it in the yeah. eleven. That is where it is. Then go back to mechanical. <laughs> Yeah, but you can make the same argument with mechanical. Your cable just snaps. <laughs> At least you can check. True. Like, you can't check how, like, when a cable's going to snap. Like, you can check the battery life of your shifters if you open the app. It, te- yeah. it literally and tells you those how co- much battery is left. <laughs> right. And the coin cell batteries cost, like, 45 cents. So you just put a new one in every single time there's, like, an important yeah. race. Just at the beginning of the year, just put new batteries in the whole bike, and then you don't have to worry about it. I I did learn though that there is a difference, you know, like in the in the brand of the battery. So SRAM recommends Energizer batteries, yeah. and because I was too cheap, I bought a bunch of these. Like I don't know, Amazon special. Yeah. I found Hong some at IKEA. Batteries. IKEA had like a mega pack for like I don't know, super cheap. Yeah. And, I, and I learned my lesson. Don't buy your batteries from they're IKEA. They're the same. They're the same. Yeah, and they they last like a quarter yeah, of the they time. Did not last Maybe even less. I'm like what the it's heck? Terrible. Just replace this. Yeah. You think you're getting a deal because it's it saves you like twenty yeah. percent, but you end up using like ten times more of yeah. them. So just yeah. buy Energizer. Just buy, just buy furniture at IKEA, not your batteries. They have really good fake plants. Yeah, then you can replace really your good furniture fake every plants year too. At IKEA batteries, not so much. <laughs> Drew, so what, what were you? You were going to talk about something that you did yesterday. Mm. I don't remember what it was, but I said save it for the show. Oh, what I was doing last night when I dropped my I dropped my wax chain and it got wax all over the floor. 
I'm pretty new to this. This is my second time waxing my chain. I did have a question. Do I have to like re-grease it? Because it's dirty. It like when I wiped it off with a when I wiped the chain. You should re- never have grease it. on it. Not grease, but it had when <laughs> I wiped when I wiped it off, there was black on the rag. Or is that just dirt? No. You talking about that that re- that's coming off. Re-decrease it? Huh? No. You saying re-degrease it? Did, yeah, re re-degrease it. This is your this is <laughs> okay. your wax chain, okay. right? Yes. I waxed it two weeks yeah. ago and I was taking it off to wax it again. Yep. And before I was like, oh, maybe I should wipe it down. And when I wiped it down, the rag had a little bit of like black stuff on it. Is that just dirt? That's just, yeah, it should probably just be dirt or just like some of the wax rubbing off. You can so also when I do that. I can just wipe it off and then put it straight into the wax again. I don't have to do the whole process again, right? If No, you don't have to. You shouldn't have to degrease it if you did it properly the first time. But you could take like a, go get like a pot like a like a normal stovetop pot and you could boil water and like kind of swish it around in boiling water to melt off the old wax if you really want to go that far or you could just chuck it back in the pot okay then just <laughs> yeah, throw it back in the that's pot what I, did. I just chucked it back in the pot and when i was pulling I, it out of the pot all i use is needle nose pliers which i guess probably isn't the right tool and i dropped it and it just splashed hot wax <laughs> Dude, get a, okay get a clothes get an old like metal wire clothes hanger yeah, I had one of those in my hand, and, and then I was like, "Yeah, but I have needle nose pliers. These seem just as good." <laughs> no, no, you have to you have to, to, you have to thread the, the I, chain through before you put I it. I wonder in. if there's somebody who I just by, drop it in by stringing together these podcasts has actually learned to wax their chain. I, I'm gonna guess clearly no. it's not Dizzle or Scott because they're just. <laughs> I don't, dude. I did it perfectly the first time. <laughs> First run, just hey, I did it wet. right. I just I start selling these things. I'm a do these do, like does does the does the silica puck of wax come with instructions? Like, can you just read the instructions and learn how to do it, or well, is this really you have to figure it out no, on your you're own? You're supposed to string together five Bonk Rose podcasts <laughs> in a row and, and can figure we get it that out. Added to the instructions. <laughs> also, Tyler, why do you know so much about this? Aren't you retired? Why are you waxing chains? Dude, I need as many marginal. I'm out here taking notes on Dylan's save three watts per 50K time trial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, dude. Tyler's already got that spray foam in his hydration pack. I can't buy the most ridiculous thing. And I asked Dylan, how much did, when you tested it, how much did it save you? Between one and three watts. <laughs> I said to somebody, drag around a can of spray foam, and and then also I was thinking, couldn't you just drink the water and then blow air back into the pouch if you like really wanted? To we didn't think it seems like a much more logical way to do it. <laughs> I said to somebody they, uh, that uh, Dylan would be willing to lose a race if it meant he could save three watts, like. <laughs> <laughs> No, dude, I don't, I hate, like, I don't want to have to do a bunch of, like, maintenance and, like, I've been waxing my chain for a few years now, so it's just easy to kind of keep them in rotation and, like, not have to deal with grease everywhere. And That's what I should do. How many miles does it last? I should wax multiple chains I think at once. The, I use M Speed Wax, and that is, like, between, like, three and 500, which oh for me gosh. is, like, We're gonna five months of training. Out. We're sponsored by Silk, dude. You can't Dude, that's, say like, that. one week. Less than not, we, we don't got any sponsors yet. Um, but, All right, well, okay. I got a dip. <laughs> All right, see ya. When you, uh, when you take the chain off, yeah. do you replace the quick link, or can you use the same quick link again? I mean, I I just re- I kind of keep using it until, like, obviously, like, on a race chain, uh, I'll, like, replace it. Um, 
Yeah, if if you're gonna but, race on the chain, I would have a new quick link. Otherwise, yeah. I mean, I probably use the same Shimano quick link four or five times. Yeah. Well, I think the the, the Shimano ones are designed to be. I mean, they probably don't say this, but they're they're a little bit burlier than the SRAM ones. I know that yeah. for sure. Um, but I agree. I mean, I. I've reused quick links even for race chain. I've never broken a chain. This year I'll probably break five and smash yeah, my face in my stomach after I say this. But it might break too. Like, what if I'm doing a sprint? All right, we'll just use a new quick link every yeah, for time. You, I, Where do you I mean, get yeah, the quick links? Sprint you training? What do you mean, dude? Yeah, There's dude you a, just go to you your can, bike shop. It's like ten bucks. Bike shop. You know, yeah, I've been to a bike online. shop. Online. You're running where? What Shimano or SRAM or what Shimano? Scott, wherever you buy yeah. your bike parts, if you buy any bike parts at all. You can find quick links there, or 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 bike park. you can you can get a KMC chain because they actually make a reusable quick link. No, don't do that. Just just buy a bunch of Shimano quick links. <laughs> the thing, so like Scott, you can reuse the you can reuse the quick link, but when you notice that it like goes in a little bit easier, right? There's usually like a little bit of friction point, and like as soon as it starts just like sliding in, then just be like, okay, I gotta ditch this quick link. But if you have that like kind of point of resistance when you're like snapping the chain back on, yeah. it should be fine. All right. So just try not to sprint when the quick link is like on the chain ring. You know, just time your other cadence. Do every That's other uh, pedal stroke. Yeah. 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 I'll do one sprint with my right leg. I'm if you just, with my left. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, have you guys what? Uh, what do you guys think of this new Trek gravel team? Like Trek, Trek has completely rejoined the gravel program. So I, I, I came to the table with some of my hot takes for the season, and this was actually one of them. Right. Was for those who maybe have been on like uh, vacation for like a week, like maybe you know some of our listeners or maybe a host or two. Uh, could you uh, let us know who is on the Trek gravel team? <laughs> Dude, it's it's freaking stacked. All right, is well, I mean it's. Well, it's it's there's two guys that are that are solid, but and there's a women's side. But uh, here, let me see if I can pull it up. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's Rusty and Toby. Yeah, and then Haley and then sure. Haley Smith. So Haley Smith, yeah, it's I saw a that. really which is kind of I mean, crazy. Yeah, is there is there somebody else? I think Paige Onweller is still on it too. Paige Onweller because she she kind of started it. Yeah. I think she she was kind of be like the driving force behind starting the yeah. the team. So yeah. it is. It is a very stacked gravel team. What's your hot take, Adam? Well, one of my hot takes was that uh, it was goodbye privateers, hello gravel teams. It seems like mm. there's quite a few privateers that are switching over to gravel mm. teams, or it seems like more companies are interested in sponsoring gravel teams all of a sudden. Yeah. So uh, that was yeah. One of my hot takes was yeah. Was, so. Yeah. This Trek team is... I mean, so Trek had a team before this. It just wasn't stacked, right? Um, or wasn't yeah. this Yeah, stacked? I mean, they had Keel. They had Keel and Paige and Ruth Winder. Yeah, I guess that's stacked on right? the women's side. That is stacked on the women's side. Um, yeah. The men's side has gone through the roof, though. Just by adding Russell? By adding Russell and by adding Toby. And, dude, oh, and Toby. Toby, man. Yeah. Is uh, is Keel still like, racing, or is he also retired now? No, I think he hung it up. Nice, nice. And Ruth went back to the road. 
So it was just going to be Paige mm-hmm. that was left over from from that original so team. I, I um oh what hold on wait and Amity Rockwell apparently was part of it, oh, which okay. I did not oh, know. Still raised. She she wasn't really racing in the U.S. though. She was kind of doing the international stuff. So this is what I've said before on this podcast, and other people have disagreed with me. I think I said it on the podcast that we had Adam Roberge on, and Roberge disagreed with me. Winning one lifetime Grand Prix race, and I don't think it matters which one it is, to be honest with you, is a career-changing result. And case in point is Paige Onweller with Big Sugar and Toby with Big Sugar. Paige Onweller, one big sugar, got a contract with Trek. Toby, one big sugar, got a contract with Trek. Yeah, I I would say... Yeah, but isn't that the same? They they both won races that were like... I mean, if you're going to win a race, big sugar's a good one. Mm-hmm. Like, if if you if the only race you won was the rad, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that moves the needle a whole lot. Yeah, dude, Alexi's not on It track. might move the needle in, in getting you guaranteed <laughs> into the Grand Prix, but... Uh, yeah, but isn't that the same with like every sport? What do you mean? Like, it's a recency bias. I would hope that if you won one of the biggest races, you would yeah, get a contract. So you win a so, like World Cup, or agreed. you're not. What you're just not. Gonna yeah, I, that's what I would. I mean, that's I agree. So I think I said this, and I don't want to put I don't want to put words in Adam Roberge's mouth, but I I think I said that winning a lifetime Grand Prix race is a career changing result, and he was like, "Oh no, come on, man! Just because you win X race, like." You're not going to... And I was like, yeah, dude, I think if you win one lifetime Grand Prix race, you're you're talking about tens of thousands of dollars difference next year in your contract. Well, and, and he, he might be coming from the stance... I mean, he he's won a lot of pretty big races. So, like, for him, he might not see it as yeah, that way. Yeah, but he hasn't won a Grand Prix race. He won Big Sugar back know, when I it agree. wasn't a Grand Prix race. Well, it depends how much sure. money you're already making. If you're paid to be a winner... Sure. But if you win, you're not really yeah. going to change anything. But if you're this right. guy Toby or whatever, and you know, like, he, so here, here, Sky, you, I don't know if you know who this guy is. I was going to be um, teammates. He was racing on. I was going to be teammates with him. Oh, you were okay. But so he, he was he was going to race for Echelon, and yeah. then he won Big Sugar. Oh, and that's then, right. And then I, yeah, Trek is like, that. nah, nah, nah. You're not racing for Echelon, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I forgot about that, but he he raced all of last year on one of his teammates' borrowed cyclocross bikes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like how freaking balling is yeah. that? <laughs> so I was thinking about this. Like, would you, especially like Tour Down Under is on right now, which is you know kind of the start of the the road season. And I was thinking about like you know some of the the women and the men that are winning. And would you rather like? come into a season hot and like be winning like right out of the gate and then fade like what would be better for your if you're on a contract here winning early or mm. like you know going to some of like the italian classics and like you know placing well at some of those you know where winning that, like, early <laughs> yeah winning early is better yes mm. why because you think you can sign a contract earlier oh, yeah. than you can sign in april mm. yeah that's true then you just coast and then you sign when there's less competition because they don't have a season's worth that of you sign for less to... money and you do better in the second half of the year. Like, and you mm-hmm. could have, you know, but then that's way better than like waiting till the second half of the year and then say you crash or something. And then, you know, sure. like waiting to get your big results in the second half of the year. Not that like you're just like not trying <laughs> in the first half. But... <laughs> sure. Yeah. 
Hmm. Uh, it's just interesting seeing guys like Philippe and like um, I was watching like the stage one highlights uh, the other day and like, you know, I'm, I'm sure no one like no one wants to crash, right? Especially in the first race of the season. But, you know, crashes happen in the Peloton and you can just imagine like that's got to suck, <laughs> you know, to crash in like the first the first race and then kind of throw off like the rest of your the rest of your week or the rest of the season. But yeah, I don't know. I was just thinking like, you know, the, the podcast I was listening to was talking about Al Philippe probably has goals later on in the year. Um, I'm assuming like the Olympics road race or something like that. And yeah. Uh, yeah, just thinking about like, oh man, would it be better to like come in hot and win something like, um, I don't know, Mid-South or uh, BWR Arizona or something like that. Then, and then just like chill for the rest of the year or something like Big Sugar, where obviously like if you win, I think, you know, the recency bias is a thing for sure. But maybe yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but well, if we're if we're choosing thing. between Road. BWR Arizona, Mid South, and Big Sugar, it's big. It, oh, it's not even a competition. It's we'll obviously Big Otter. Sugar. All right, so then take then narrow it down to lifetime Grand Prix races. Okay, sure. Sea, sea Otter versus Big Sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess the other thing with Sea Otter versus Big Sugar is you're throwing in the mix there is one is a mountain bike race and one is a gravel race. You know, so yeah, certain companies may care more about your gravel specific results and less about your mountain bike specific results. I feel like it's hard to like just thinking about the times when I was looking for like looking for teams on the road side of things. And like a lot of rosters are already like, you know, sorted out basically by the end of the year, you know, so there's, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe you'd rather have on the gravel side of things, you'd rather have a early win as well especially at something like sea otter because you have all the industry people there that you can be like hey look at this yeah i i would say it's interesting though it it seems like with the gravel and and maybe it's just because the the calendar is extended so far later in the season it seems like contracts and uh like sponsor deals are being negotiated later and later Mm. Mm -hmm. from what i've heard um you know, it used to be like, you know, if you were looking for sponsors, you had to have that have that thing like sealed up by the end of August. Yeah. If you like, you know, maybe September, if you want to like fit in their marketing budget. But it seems like they're like holding on to some of those marketing dollars a little bit later for some of these bigger events that take place later. Yeah. You know, speaking of the the tour down under the the stage that just happened where El Toro is that that's his last name, El Toro. Yeah. One Isak Isak Del Toro. Yeah. Such an epic name. He, okay, this is what I want to say about that. Phil uh, Phil Liggett was commentating, right? Mm-hmm. Dude, he... I don't think that... First of all, El Toro was in the Arrow Hoods position when he was off the front. And I don't think Phil Liggett realizes that the, that the Arrow Hoods position is the most aerodynamic position that the riders can be in because he kept saying, oh, like he's not even in the curve. He didn't even call it the drops. He said he's like not even in the curves of the bar or something. And he kept calling the hoods like the tops of the bar. He's like, oh man, he's just in the tops of the bar. I'm like, dude, do you know about cycling? (laughs) Yeah, dude, just from like three decades ago. That's... (laughs) <laughs> that's like the point that Wait, i mean I, he's like a he's a voice of the sport for sure but yeah he Go was ahead. he was shocked he was shocked that uh this guy won not in the drops he was like how did this guy just win not in the drops <laughs> uh well 
you know, that's that's Phil Liggett for you. Hopefully you he got his name right in the call. Where are you watching it? I just watched the highlights on YouTube. I mean, oh, just like I do with every race. Really, how many times, how many, how many times have we had this discussion? Like, <laughs> Well, I wasn't asking you. Oh, okay. I was I asking Tyler. Watch, I also watch valuable information most of the time. <laughs> I also watch the highlights on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it on yeah. is it on uh, Peacock? It know? is. So, if you want Dude, Robert Robert tr- sent me one time some like super obscure website to use to stream Tiz? some of the races from. I don't remember what Tiz? it was. Tiz, yeah. Yeah. It just it felt like really weird. It was like yeah. the website yes. interface was terrible and I was like that. <laughs> that was how Scott yeah. got a saddle sore was using Tiz. <laughs> In college I was watching Tiz and all right, you're going to think that I was watching something else, but I wasn't. <laughs> but it came up on my computer like a little thing in the middle of the screen that said, my dirty hobby. And, and like, <laughs> but it was so small. And no matter what like browser you were using or anything, it just said that in the middle of the screen. And then I'd like plug my computer in to give a presentation or something. And it just says like, like you really have to pay attention to notice when it says my dirty hobby in the middle of the screen. <laughs> wow. From that. Yeah. Cause like when uh, you go on classic. that website, it, it like comes up with some, yeah, Scott's just anime telling porn people. or something. <laughs> Scott's just telling people it was from Tiz. <laughs> yeah. It was by grace I was watching. Don't worry. Spring class season. <laughs> All right, uh, Adam, what other hot takes do you have? Oh, yeah, okay. Hot takes? So, <laughs> Scott, do you have a hot yeah, take? These, these are my... Uh, I'm sure I can come up with something. All right. <laughs> these are my five hot takes forecasting of, for 2024. Uh, so the first one, well, it wasn't the first one, but I already read it. it was goodbye privateers, hello gravel teams. What? What other? Uh, hold on, see, hold on. Not, what other gravel teams are there other than Trek? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Doesn't Keegan uh, have a team? Allied, Allied was adding. Uh, they added Anna Yamauchi to their team. Yeah, but is that a team or is that um, just they're adding another privateer? Uh, it's more. It's it's hard to say what like what how the how they're structuring it right now, but it seems like they're trying to like pool these athletes together. Mm-hmm. So they might sponsor multiple different athletes, kind of like how jukebox was. Sure. Like you guys were privateers as a team. It seems like that's where things are trending. Yeah. Um, trying to think. Uh, I didn't. I didn't listen th- here, but I, when I was like on Instagram the other day, it seemed like there were like four or five different team announcements. Okay. Do you think that team tactics are going to enter gravel racing anytime soon? Yeah, and that's so. So the thing that was driving it was Rusty, Rusty, and uh, Toby on a team. I think that is could potentially be lethal. Mm-hmm. Like that is a winning combination right yeah. there, and that leads to the next hot take, which is Keegan won't win more than three lifetime events this year. Whoa. I mean, that's because he that doesn't have a take. You should have gone hotter than that and been like, Keegan won't win a single <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> I thought about it, but I was like, Sea Otter and Leadville are kind of shoe ins for him at this point, unless no, someone dude, like, shows up. Rust, that's really Rusty. Sea Otter came down to a sprint finish between Rusty and uh, <clears throat> Keegan last year. I, I know. Call that a shoe. Because Rusty was on the Rusty was Rusty was on a tear early yeah. on last year, but he like faded halfway through. So it's hard to say w- how he's going to bounce back for the first part of this season. Also, Blevins does Sea Otter. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think I, mean, I, I shouldn't say shoe in, but I think 
Sea Otter, Crusher, and Leadville. So I think yeah. those are races that if if Russ if Keegan really wants to, like those are three races that he could peak for, and he's going so to. I don't. To, I don't to necessarily touch. agree with Sea Otter, uh, Crusher, and Leadville. It's like a ninety-five percent chance that Keegan is going to win. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, see, I agree. Seattle could be up in the air, especially if someone like Blevins shows up. I don't know if he will. It's isn't it? Isn't this? Uh, I'm trying to think, is it an Olympic year this year? It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he, he might not, not be doing any sure. of these longer races. Um, and it, you know, I mean, like Cole Patton's good. So, um, what do you think that uh, Brandon Lang is good? Think- but I don't. I just don't see him touching Keegan at Seattle. Sure. What do you think Toby will do this year? Dude, I think if him and, and Rusty work together, that that's gonna be that's gonna be tough to beat. Mm-hmm. I think Toby's gonna do really well at Unbound. He seems like the kind of guy that's got like diesel all day. Mm-hmm. Uh I think he'll do I don't I don't know I don't know how well he does at altitude, but I know he's like super well, he strong. He does live so, in Colorado, like, so Yeah, I mean he lives in but he, he lives in Grand Junction though, so it's not like High altitude, it's 5,000. 4,000 feet. Yeah, sure. Uh, But I think, like, Unbound, he'll do good. Big Sugar, obviously, he'll do good. I think the Rad, he'll probably do good. Like, any of those gravel Mm -hmm. races, I I have no idea what kind of mountain bike skills he has. Scott, maybe you know, since you were going to be his teammate. Yeah, he's the collegiate mountain bike national champion. Okay, so he could do good at Sea Otter, then. No, he's 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 the kind of rider that could do really well in the Grand Prix. I think the Grand Prix suits that kind of rider really well. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, let's see. Next hot take. Um, gravel suspension takeover. So the year of gravel suspension. Oh, wow. I think we're going to see a lot more gravel forks, right. drop our mountain bikes, maybe some full sus gravel bikes. I was thinking bikes. when you said that, like um, a doping suspension. <laughs> <laughs> the year that everyone gets suspended. Well, lifetime Grand Prix testing would have to oh, be it, better It could be that. interpreted that way. Yeah. <laughs> could be interpreted that way. Um, I don't I don't really see any indication that the industry is shifting that way at all but okay. Uh it seems like there's more bikes being specced with at least a gravel suspension fork option mm-hmm. like Drew's I guess, bike. You know, I guess that uh um Keegan did race a suspension fork at Big Sugar and had he actually won that race maybe more people would think oh I need a suspension fork, you know. Because usually, whatever the winner is right. doing, everybody just you know jumps on the train. Yeah. So, in in part of it too is is kind of plays into my next hot take. But I think part of it too is a lot of people seem like they're maybe moving on from the standard fast, flat, straight, just hard pedaling type of gravel races, and more getting into the adventure style gravel races. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like those races are growing a little bit more in popularity. So that's part of what it is too. Is like I think as the whole industry kind of migrates towards more technical races, then sure. you know, you'll see suspension pop up more. Yeah, sure. I, I, uh, I was on peak Torx podcast and he was talking about his, uh, this hypothetical bike that he would design for Roubaix, which is a full suspension road bike. And he realizes <laughs> that aerodynamics is really important. And suspension forks as they're currently set up are really not aerodynamic like they're they're a terrible aero shape so he had his theoretical bike had a lefty and then the fork was an airfoil shape and then i think we we came up with you could put an airfoil guard over the stanchion Mm. 
You mean like he had an airfoil on the right side of the lefty? What do you mean? The right like side? It was of the lefty. A, no, there's it nothing like on the a, right side of the lefty. Gotcha. Why no? I thought you meant like he was going to ha- like create something that was an airfoil for the missing no, stanchion. No, 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 an airfoil for the stanchion that exists. Hmm. Like you know how lefties have rock guards? Yeah. Instead of a rock guard, it's an arrow guard. And it's airfoil shaped around okay. the stanchion, and then the fork itself is airfoil shaped. And you're you're it's only on the left side, so that kind of cuts out off half the half I, the area. I do remember you fork. did you did talk about this one point last year, I think, uh how the arrow benefit of a lefty is highly underrated. Did I talk about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just overlooked. Okay, like sure. no one no one's like I, and I'd never heard anyone talk about that, but it's it's got to be a okay. thing. I'll, I mean, I'll take credit for that conversation, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next hot take: the lifetime green gr- lifetime Grand Prix has peaked in popularity. Yeah. All right, I think that's uh, probably accurate. You, so, so do you think the peak was in twenty twenty three, and from now on it'll be a slow decline? Is that what you're saying? Or plateau? Okay. You know, I mean, it, it, you could you could interpret it either sure. way. But do you think, yeah, I think there was a lot of hype in the first two years and okay. it doesn't seem like the interest or hype is building anymore. Do you think that it was more or less popular the first year than the second year? More. It was more popular the first year? Yeah. Okay. I think there was so much anticipation and there was a hole that it was so filling. This is, this is the, I'll, you could very well be right, but I'll give a quick devil's advocate. I will say that I heard a lot of rumblings that a lot of the riders in the Grand Prix were not going to do it again because they just wanted to do something different. And then they came out with the roster of riders that made it in, and it was all the same riders. So clearly they were that was not that was not true. The riders weren't thinking about doing yeah, something different. They could just still not the do field it. gets in. They could still not do it. Yeah, they could yeah, be guess, I mean, like half the riders like, in the Grand Prix and just, you know, have a spot, but then not do half the races. Yeah, what's the, a, there's no disadvantage to getting picked and then not showing up. Sure. Is it like a penalty? Uh, just, just that you probably wouldn't get picked again. Yeah, but if you're Although not going to do it anyways. Then... True. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and this isn't necessarily just talking about the pros either like I, I i think the grand prix events will still remain the most competitive pro events sure. in the states uh but i just think in general the hype around it the media around it the you mean like the, the popular desire fans, to be in it like fa- fans everything following yeah it. yeah which is huge because that's the reason there's value doing the grand prix is yeah. the fact that there's so many eyes on it and yeah. you know so much interest in it um but I think I think it seems like like going back to the last one, it seems like some of these more adventure, technical, harder, challenging races are starting to gain a little more traction. And while they're not part of a series, uh, I could see people kind of migrating away from showing up for the Grand Prix events. I think they'll still probably sell out, but it just seems like there just isn't as much like hype around it. Dude, we're going to have to pivot this whole podcast. We'll have nothing to talk about. These <laughs> listeners. Well, as long as as long as DJ is part of the uh, the re- retirement series, yeah. then we can still keep talking about it. I would love to see. Okay, I would laugh. love to see technical gravel races become more popular. That would be dope. I'd yeah. be into that. the the one The one exception to that statement, and I don't know why they're doing this. 
I don't know if maybe they're doing this because they've seen the popularity rise with the Grand Prix events and they're like trying to rise up to that. But Belgium Waffle Ride has announced that their courses are going to be more tame this year. Wait, which really? I think is a big mistake. Yeah, they they said that. So they're talking about like there's there's new sectors and stuff like that. But some of the events like they're taking out some of the more rugged aspects maybe not more tech less technical and that there's gonna be less you're, wait sectors, you're telling me that but, they made an announcement saying our races will be easier in 2024 no that's not what they <laughs> <Okay>. said <laughs> easier is is up for interpretation okay. but they for from and this was like a month mm-hmm. ago um when they were they were talking about some of the courses they're taking out some of like the more really technical stuff like maybe parts where you have to like hop off your bike or you know skirt through rock gardens things like that so i did see that the bwr north carolina course had a single track section uh it went from road for about eight miles or something like that to single track and obviously that's a huge pinch point and a lot of people got so bottlenecked that they just had to walk the single track and a lot of people were not happy about that and they yeah. have said that they're not going to include that single track section anymore because of how many people were upset. Yeah, so I think it might be, I mean, it, it might be like that's what they're trying to avoid is bottlenecks where people have to get off their bikes. So it's not that the races, like the riding portions are going to be less technical from what I gather, but they're the race in general is less rugged, um, yeah. which is which is exactly what the, I mean, the, the Grand Prix events, they're all super tame. So I I just wasn't sure if like maybe they were trying to piggyback off the fact that the Grand Prix events are are light duty gravel. Uh, well, I mean, because I, I think I think the style of BWR races is what makes them unique. Yeah. And people you know, I, gravitate I mean, towards that. Big Sugar for not having any single track on it. I would not call that light duty gravel at all. And honestly, there are parts of there are parts of Unbound's not super technical, but there are parts of Unbound that you get every kind of gravel. Yeah, but that's Unbound. just that's just gravel. Sure. That's just gravel. Like I would just consider that to be part of gravel racing. Okay. There's part of gravel is there's different r- surface types. Sure. Yeah, and that's just a function of the area. Okay. You yeah. know. Yeah. Exactly. I wonder if that's is that like right. is that like from a rider safety perspective? I don't want to belabor the point, but I'm just like wondering like is that you know for BWR? Yeah, for BWR you mean? is that just like due to? No, it's probably just like Dylan said, like people complaining about having to get off their bikes. Well, ride faster, get to the front. <laughs> 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 so speaking of people getting off their bikes hot take number five cyclocross call it a comeback oh that and is the put, worst take you've had so far <laughs> and then i put no supporting evidence i just want to okay. see it happen i i don't yeah, see, i don't see cyclocross making a comeback at all to be honest with you wow dude that's just that's a haters comment the, right there. i think it'll make a comeback once once people realize they have these gravel bikes that are useless now because they don't want to do 200 mile races anymore and they can just go do a an hour long here's race. a hot take people like doing 200 mile races who that is wrong <laughs> that, that is absolutely false yeah <laughs> i just like so cyclocross has seemingly gotten less popular every single year and i see no reason why they would make a 180 and and start gaining popularity i agree i just like i said i want to see a rock bottom at some point right i mean the sport could just cease to exist that would be rock bottom if if i had a hot take number six it would be that shorter gravel races are king Hmm. that's it yeah no i I think i think the hundred mile gravel race is kind of the sweet spot 
Do you have like sure. a list over there of these things? <laughs> no, he's just coming off the top yeah, of his head. Just, holy shit, he's got a whole notes page. <laughs> you told me to do your homework for you, so I just <laughs> made my homework longer. Yeah, Scott, have you come up with a hot thing. take yet or what? I got a hot take. All right. Let's hear it. Dylan endos at least three times <laughs> because of the weight of his stem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know how many like it's it's actually been insane how many people have been messaging me about what my new bike sponsor is. And after you said you gave the hint that I have a really heavy alloy stem and that's the only part I've gotten from my bike sponsor, I got a lot of guesses last week. And people are gonna be so shocked when they see my new bike and it doesn't have a heavy alloy stem on it. I didn't say it was going to have it on. So, I said they sent you a heavy stem. Did they send it to you just as like a reminder? Like, hey, don't forget we're sponsoring you <laughs> yes. this year. Put this Why on your desk they, as a paperweight. Well, all the things to send. <laughs> yeah. You'd think they would have like sent you like a paperweight or like a paper light, uh, like feather mm-hmm. featherweight stem. Like get you super amped, like, holy crap, I can't believe this is a real no. stem. And then they'd be like, ah, no, They had to spend some money before the end of the year, and the <laughs> shipping was so expensive because it was so heavy that weight. they decided to ship out some of these stems. <laughs> Dylan, when, when are you getting your new bike? I should. Or it, bikes. So the UPS tracker says it's arriving tomorrow. So. Whoa. So then I'll need to so then I'll boxing. need to build it up, and then I'll need to get pictures. So I'm I'm guessing that the announcement will be sometime next week. Oh my god! I can't wait to see what it's on living on the show. You're you gonna announce out. it on the air? Uh, no, I'm not. What? <laughs> well, dude, we'll do a live show, live recording for anyone who wants to tune in for your bike. No, why don't you say it on here, and then don't we won't publish it, and then you post it on your stupid Instagram page, and then. No, that's what? the inverse. But we have to build the hype for <laughs> Bombers. Are you yeah, are no, you going to announce like it before Friday at three? We'll announce it, but then it won't actually be live until yeah. There's after. There's no shot. All right, we'll record another episode are tomorrow. Bu- <laughs> are you building it up yourself? No. Are you letting Scott build it up for you? Okay, Def- absolutely. I like not. how you just. I, I like how you threw that out there because I, I knew you probably weren't, and you're like, "Oh, I got to build it up still." And- okay, well, not physically me have to build it up, but the the bike <laughs> shop has to build it up. That's why it's going to take so long because they don't just fit you in. Well, I, you want. You I gotta, mean, the like, bike shop that I go to make an appointment. They, I mean, they work fast. They do stuff within a day. So, you want to give them a shout out because they're sure, ballers. The hub. In oh, dude, isn't that in Asheville? No, it's in Brevard. No, it's in Brevard. <laughs> Okay. Every I've been there. I I will say I so I have no affiliation with the hub. I also I also have gone to Sycamore. Sycamore is great. I I also go to Squatch. Squatch is great. I don't have a problem with any bike shop here, and they all do good work and they do it pretty fast. So how many bike shops are you going? (laughs) (laughs) I I have no affiliation with any bike shop here, so I go to all of them. To be honest with you, Squatch is closest to my house. So if I need if I need to go get something real quick, I go to Squatch. But usually, if I'm getting work done, I go to the hub. It's because every time you do a race, you have to have a different bike setup, so you have to do some <laughs> elaborate fucking mechanical yeah. work to your bike. Yeah, no, the bike shop employees probably hate me, for sure. I have a question. Why did your bike sponsor send you just a stem? Okay, so I, I told them that I needed a 140-millimeter stem, and okay. the, the bike that they were going to send me comes... Or the road bike that this not the gravel bike, the road bike they were going to send me comes stocked with I don't know a 100 millimeter stem. Or, it's too short, so okay. 
They sent me the stem, and I haven't actually received the whole bike yet. Gotcha. But why is it such a heavy stem? <laughs> I don't. They Scott's, don't make a Scott's got weak. Scott's bike. got weak arms. If he like lifts anything more than his coffee cup, it's just he could barely sustain it. Dude, if your stem weighs more than your coffee cup, that's <laughs> super heavy. <laughs> more importantly, why are you getting a road bike? Good thing you're not doing any road racing. Yeah. I need I need a road bike for training. Why? You? I thought you were a gravel bro. Uh, yeah. So that way he can keep up with Scott. Well, I th- he true. said he was too fast for Scott on his uh, on his road true. bike. I need I, I need a, like a road bike with Max's refuses to be the perfect <laughs> speed of Scott. <laughs> Slippery boys. Uh, yeah, there you go. Maybe chuck some challenge getaways on there. Yeah. Could just set you up with some. <laughs> Scott, so when are that- you off to when are you off to Majorca? Saturday, I think. Should probably figure think. that out. Are you are you ready? Are you fit enough yet? Uh. No. Okay. <laughs> you you ever go, I, I don't think I've ever gone there. to a race thinking like I'm like as fit as I possibly can be, right? Really? Huh. Okay. I feel like you can always be better. Well, you can always be better, but I, there are a lot of times where I've gone to a race thinking I've pretty much done everything that I can do within the last three months to be as ready as possible for this race. Not like I'm the fittest I'll ever be in my entire life, but. What, and then you get like 17th place or something? <laughs> Scott's definitely not trying to have that contract locked up by April. He's waiting for October to get signed. Do you sign for two years or one year? Me? Five years. Yeah, you. One? One? Gotcha. Do continental teams even do two year contracts? I don't know. I never raced for a Conti team. Maybe. Like the Portuguese ones do. Probably. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, just one. Do you have your aero bike yet? Are Uh, you still on on your Cad9? He's bringing the Cad9. Dude, I'm getting it in the Mallorca. Okay. Mm. You're going to bring your saddle with you? I've got a box of saddles ready to go. <laughs> More importantly, you're bringing a box of saddles to my area? Yeah. At least like three or four. Why? Well, I got like three. Scott, bikes, have, you, probably. have you ever tried the uh, Selly oh. SMP saddle? Yeah, I have. What do you think of that one? Does that that's one work for I you? Those, I don't know if it was a coincidence or not, but <laughs> that's when I had the taint the cyst? Oh, okay. The cyst. Okay, gotcha. I think it's because it's like a leather saddle that it's like a, I don't know, like something with the friction, not necessarily the shape of it. The friction, you know, okay. like it's like it's the usually material. The saddle sore starts, right? So which which uh, which ISM saddle do you use? The, I use the PN three point Ooh, nice. Do you do you do the zip tie trick to make it even narrower? No, that doesn't really work. I don't know why you. Need I mean, to do that sort of does. I tried the ISM saddle and I I found them to be I got the narrowest one that they have and I found it to be too wide. Too wide? Like on your oh, inner or your hips. Like yeah, your like it was rubbing it was right? rubbing my thighs. Yeah, and it was probably did you did you use the same setback as your previous saddle? Does it need to be more or less setback? More. Hmm. They more recommend setback. five to eight centimeters more setback. Hmm. Jeez. Because you okay. sit on the front of the saddle. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You know, normal saddle has like the nose that sticks out the front, but this one you just sit on like so, the front ish. Okay. Well, I definitely did not do that. So maybe if I, uh, <laughs> because if I rode an ISM saddle, then I could just have a normal saddle position instead of it being as far forward as possible. Yeah. Why do you do that anyway? That's how my bike fit is. I don't know. I have. I have says, short says you I have or short who? femurs. I guess I've gotten a bike fit before. 
Once Dylan read a study that said that four cyclists didn't improve their FTP (laughs) by stretching, he decided that he'll never stretch ever again, and he's so unflexible that he can't reach back. No, dude, I'm really flexible. I can can reach past my toes. Dylan stepped in his cat's vomit the other day, and he couldn't get his foot to his face to smell if it smelled like vomit. Okay, getting your foot to your face is hard. You know how you know it smells like vomit? Because it is vomit. Why do you need well, to no, smell he, like, your foot? his sock or something. He's like, oh, I wonder if my foot still smells. And he couldn't. It wasn't even close. It was like feet away. I don't know. Okay, I don't, but I, I've getting never, your foot to your nose is difficult. I think that's probably, I don't know. Most people should be able to smell their own foot. I was trying to get Scott to smell it, but he wouldn't smell it for yeah, me. Of course I'm not smelling your in order, to, in order to, like, cross my legs, like, when I'm sitting in a chair, I have to use both arms to, like, pull my leg up over the other leg. Do you watch Dylan's video? I can't just do it with... No. Chronic unfortunately for video? all viewers. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm no. just saying the science on stretching is... It, I I had I was not the, this video is really old at this point it's like four years old but I had no opinion on stretching before going into researching stretching and then I researched stretching and I was like wow the research for stretching is awful doesn't help with performance doesn't help with recovery doesn't even it doesn't even look like it helps with injury prevention yeah but does it help when I go play like racquetball or something and I don't hurt myself. Dude, I just said it yeah. doesn't help with injury prevention. Okay, but for cycling, will it help my performance in racquetball? No, because all the studies were were across different disciplines. Yeah, this wasn't just this wasn't just for cyclists. Now, I will say, I mean, just because just because a, a couple studies suggest it doesn't help with injury prevention, that doesn't mean that that's the end all be all. I mean, you know, but it was specifically talking about stretching. In close proximity to doing the activity, right? So this isn't talking about independent stretching activity. But I think it depends on your sure. it depends on your activity too, though, right? Like if you're gonna be like a gymnast, like you obviously need a certain degree of flexibility and like yeah, I mean, of your right. muscle fiber. Which is what but I'm if saying. You're doing, if you're sprinting <laughs> or you're doing some type of sport that requires like you don't mm-hmm. necessarily want to lengthen muscle fibers through stretching. Right. Sure. So stretching before exercise will is actually bad. It'll decrease your power output. It like, de- for example, if you do a quad stretch before you squat, your max squat goes down. So if you ever, if you ever see, and I still see riders do this. If you ever, if you're on the starting line of a race and you see riders doing a quick quad stretch, they are decreasing their performance they shouldn't be doing that is that why carrie's only like fourth Maybe or fifth they're doing it in cross races because he's yeah, doing his probably. leg swings and shit well i don't know leg swings is probably fine i mean leg swings <laughs> is probably doing nothing right like it's not helping or hurting it's just annoying you know yeah but like I mean. <laughs> i'm talking about specifically stretching your quads before you have to do a cyclocross start that's not helping that's hurting i i remember when i was stretching hmm. when we were training and dylan was like pissed at me as if i, I didn't like, do anything dude. i didn't care it's like dude why are you stretching <laughs> like, i don't know my knee hurts so i'm trying to fix it <laughs> no but i want to be flexible so when i spontaneously go play ice hockey for like the first time in five years i don't hurt myself okay did you do any research about that you just need to do yes like, I d- how many times do i have to tell you that it didn't help with injury prevention yeah but for somebody who plays ice hockey for the first time in five years okay <laughs> 
I mean, that's a very specific case. Look, and I, I'm willing to be proven wrong about this because, like I said, I don't have a horse in this race. I'm not like an anti-stretching guy. I'm not a pro-stretching guy. I I don't care about stretching. Sounds like you're (laughs) anti-stretching. Well, I'm anti-stretching after reading the research that is anti-stretch. I I don't know. But you're not out there like picketing the streets telling people to stop stretching. I'm not part of like the anti-stretching lobby. (laughs) Picketing outside of yoga studios. (laughs) Right. So I, it's, you know, you talk, some, some athletes talk about how they've got like a whole stretching routine that they do every day or something. Um, I think that that is not helping their performance at all. I, I don't think it's not helping with the recovery. It's not helping with their injury prevention. It's not helping with their, it's it just, it's just kind of a waste of time. It's not hurting them, but it's probably just a waste of yes. their time. This is the information I yeah, needed just, to hear. <laughs> just train an extra 15 minutes. Sure. Never warm up. Just go straight into intervals. <laughs> First one's going to suck. All right. Well, Christopher, Christopher writes in and says that his leg shoes suck. What? Uh, Leg (laughs) shoes? We're doing some listening. Lake lake shoes. Were we talking about lake shoes? You probably shouldn't. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be riding in lake shoes, dude. (laughs) Riding cycling shoes. shoes. Wait, is that the question? He says, I have wide feet and I have always struggled to find shoes that fit well. I recently got the Lake MX-238 shoe for $400. It is the most uncomfortable shoe that I have ever worn. I can literally feel the SPD cleat in the sole of my feet. I have even added better arch supports in the soles. Is this because I bought a shoe designed for cyclocross? How do you guys find the right shoe? I feel like I can't ride longer than 30 miles without foot pain. Are there any DIY tricks to the trade for foot comfort? Wow, it sounds like this was a review under an Am- like an Amazon review <laughs> that he just yeah. sent us for some reason. Did he say anything he about his there. Yeah, he puts uh, arch arch. What's support, his FTP? Like arch insoles. <laughs> Probably at least four hundred. This guy is not. Week? This guy is not over the age of fifty. That's why he didn't give us those stats. <laughs> Dude, choose, this is something that I've thought about too. So like. I feel like cycling is a little behind in this respect and maybe, maybe it exists, but like dude, when I, when I was getting ski boots, like there are people who specialize in like finding you the right boot for your foot, right? Like if you have narrow mm-hmm. heels or, mm. you know, they'll punch out the boot, et cetera for cycling shoes. It's like non-existent. And like, I've just found it's like trial and error when you find something that works, just like keep rolling with it. Cause otherwise like, Mm. No one, I don't know. I found it really difficult to find out like which shoe fits my foot and it's just been through trial and error. Yeah. And even within a brand, like if you go from the road fit to a mountain bike fit, like the shoes feel different. You know, like you can't just say like, oh, I'm a, I'm a specialized guy or oh, I'm a lake guy or oh, I'm a Giro guy. Like the, it depends on the model for sure. Um, for the most part, if it's like an off-road shoe, it's probably going to fit similar to like their other off-road shoes in the lineup. But even that sometimes. But one thing I was going to say is, so with ski boot fits, and I think that was a great point that you brought up, like they're not just saying, hey, this shoe off the shelf is what's going to fit you best. They're taking a shoe that fits you best and then they're modifying yeah. it to make it fit even yeah. better. And I think that's the part that people miss out on a lot with cycling shoes is they just like buy the shoe keep the insoles in there. They don't do anything else. They just put the shoe on and like, oh, this shoe sucks. But it might be like a close enough fit. You just need to do some modifications to it to make it fit better. Insole, like arch support is super critical though. If you don't have good arch support, 
um, like because it's a non weight bearing activity, your arch is like not being activated when you're riding. So your arch is going to collapse constantly if you don't have good arch support. So if you have high arches, you should be using high arch support insoles. Um, but I even like, I like my current shoes, I had to like cut some pieces away that were rubbing in a weird way. And like, now they fit great, but like, don't be afraid to do that. It's like, if the shoe doesn't fit right and you spend money on it, you can't return it. Like try some things like punch some holes on places and see if it fits better mm-hmm. or cut some, cut some pieces off. I do feel bad that this guy just wasted $450 on these shoes, but yeah, I mean, I would never buy shoes for $450, but since you already did, I would, I would try to do something to make them fit better. Uh, for sure. The better arch support, arch support insoles. So um, this yeah, guy's would, problem like, is that his feet are really wide and I guess Lake makes really wide yeah. shoes is why he bought them. But I, I, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're known for bigger toe boxes or something. I don't, I don't know. know. Some shoes. I've never bought Lake shoes. I can't. I can't believe that Lake. I've never. I. I, I didn't even know Lake shoes made nice shoes. I can't believe they were four hundred dollars. <laughs> I mean, I think most yeah. cycling brands have a four hundred dollars shoe. You know, whether or not it's good is kind of. Yeah, they're duping you in it. <laughs> choice by choice, but. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I would just like. I wouldn't be afraid to modify those things. You already. You already wasted the money on them, anyways. They're they're just going to be a paperweight like Dylan's long dom, <laughs> super heavy stem. <laughs> Surprised Dylan didn't tell him to buy an aero shoe because that's the his problem. Not aerodynamic <laughs> enough. <laughs> I I I will say that I don't know why aero shoes aren't a thing. There's one company that makes an aero shoe. Why isn't every company have an aero shoe? How much faster is it than a regular shoe? I mean, it probably depends on. I haven't tested it, and it probably depends on the person. But I'm just saying, if if riders are using shoe covers in time trials, clearly it makes some sort of difference. Why don't more riders use shoe covers in gravel? Like it would it would make yeah. it way less prevalent that you get rocks in your shoes. Well, like why not? Why don't people you say that? in your shoes? <laughs> Dude, are you kidding me? I get rocks in my shoes all the time. <laughs> Have you ever tried like Riding with them, them open? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not open, but they just somehow get in there. I don't know. Well, I will say that shoe covers are pretty hot. So, if you're doing a 7-hour gravel race in, you know, the heat, of late spring or summer, then it's not going to be very comfortable. And also you loot you, your body, you lose a lot of your heat through your hand or you lose a lot of your heat through your hands and your feet. So if your feet are overheating, you know, you could be unnecessarily heating up the rest of your body too. So we should, you know, the headband I was showing you, Dylan, Yeah, the triathletes use should make a insole that has that material on it. Hmm. So it doesn't look like you can wear that headband with a helmet. Well, yeah, it would take some modification. Yeah. And it has to be wet. Wear it around your neck. It's like so a choker. you just need well, to constantly be... Yeah. So you just need to constantly be pouring water on your... Yeah. Yeah, but doesn't it... Isn't it... Isn't the reason it's cooling because it's contributing to evaporative exactly, cooling? Exactly, yeah. You're, you're... Yeah, but no air is hitting your 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 insole. So there's no evaporation that's going to... Like shoe. evaporative cooling. I'm that's just tossing out ideas here. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe the whole shoe what has about to be made wrists, of this is what i'm thinking your wrist yeah. little wristbands <laughs> yeah somebody sent me a clip of uh andrew huberman talking what about, about just how sleeves? um i don't know if any of you guys listen to andrew andrew huberman but he somebody sent me a clip of andrew mm-hmm. huberman talking about how cyclists shouldn't wear gloves because you're if you're wearing gloves you're trapping a certain amount of heat 
and you don't want to be trapping any heat in your hands. Yeah, dude. All right, I want Huberman I mean, I can to see go down a road at about 30 miles an hour and jump <laughs> off his bike and land directly onto his palms. <laughs> and see how he feels about gloves after that. Yo, that's the only reason I wear gloves. Speaking of Andrew Huberman, um, I ran across Lantern Rouge's second channel, which is just hit, not, it's I not told racing. You about this. Yeah, you told me about it. It's not race commentary. It's just about him training. Oh, his and vlog. he had this whole he had this whole video where he was ranting about how Andrew Huberman doesn't know what Zone Two is because like Andrew Huberman will just suggest that people go for a walk around their neighborhood to do Zone Two or just take out the trash to do Zone Two or something. <laughs> what? It's been training yeah, this whole time. That's got to be a joke. Walking Zone Two. Yes. What? Yeah. What did you just say, Scott? Like to a normal sedentary person, walking is probably zone two. Yeah, I mean, you. I think you have to be pretty unfit for walking to get your heart rate up to zone two. <laughs> or maybe but, like. But why, what is the context? Like, why is he in, instructing people? To well, do this? it's to better. Is it for training purposes, or is it to just like in like you know to integrate some activity? I mean, into I think it's day? to better their health, right? Because he's not talking to cyclists; yeah. he's talking to uh, everyday Joes. So he's just saying, like, hey. You guy, get off the couch and just go walk around the neighborhood a little bit. Get some exercise. Yeah, do moderate exercise instead of like trying to go. He's not saying a mile. And then you hey, you Dylan, like racing the Leadville this year. You should just go for walks instead of riding your bike. Yeah, right. I, I so yeah. The I'm just saying, Lantern Rouge and what what's his name, Patrick? Patrick something. Bro. Yeah, yeah. He know. was he was saying I he was saying basically he was suggesting that Andrew Huberman has no idea what zone two is and yet he's suggesting people do so much zone two. Uh, it was just pretty it was just a pretty funny video. And also makes- he didn't prepare for the video at all. He was walking around his neighborhood with his phone and just talking to his phone while he was walking. Those are his best videos. Prepare? What? How do you know he didn't prepare? Sounds like he was taking Huberman's advice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was walking around his neighborhood and he was talking about how his heart rate isn't even up to zone two. And then he like pointed to his Apple watch and his heart rate was 121 beats per minute. Just walking. (laughs) So it's in zone two, dude. Well, I mean, you don't know what his heart rate zones are, but yeah, I I was like, that's pretty damn close. If you you can, how are you at 121 beats per minute right now? You're walking and filming a video. Yeah. But have have you ever tried that? Walking a pill. Yeah, walking you should do your next talking. video the same way and see what happens. And holding yeah. your arm out like that, that must get hard after a while. See, yeah. dude, he also right said, now, stick your arm straight out and see how long you can hold it. <laughs> yeah, take this computer for a walk. <laughs> we should do this podcast while walking. We could do it while That'd riding. Be great. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the wind noise. People already talk about how our audio sucks. Yeah, I'm already. sure the wind noise wouldn't, wouldn't annoy anyone listening. Yeah, but think about how efficient that would be. <laughs> He also All said, "Dude, th- like yesterday, we there was like a snowstorm. Go ahead, and then I just started driving, and I was scraping my windshield out the window while driving, <laughs> saving time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you only need to scrape like a four inch diameter hole, Scott. I sometimes you only need to see what's in front of your life. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> I'm developing or the opposite. my skills. He's just got all the life hacks. Yeah, barely. <laughs> Apparently. Jeez. Scott's looking like that person, that group of people that forget to set an alarm and just scrape off like those circle out their front <laughs> windshield when the windows frosty. Card. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh shit, I'm running late. Dude, credit cards work so well for scraping <laughs> yeah. your window. 
They're but surprising. Did, I actually wanted to design a handle that you just slide like an old credit card into, or you could just like be like an old gym card or something because it works so well. Then does your, but it's like you get to hold it, like it's so your hand gets cold. So you need like a handle to extend it. But does your credit card work later when you need to buy something? Is the question. I used a gift card. I've never, yeah, I've never used one that like is a current oh, okay. credit card. I don't live. I don't live where it snows. So, uh, let's see. Should we should we do an Instagram question? No, we should wrap her up. <laughs> no, do an Instagram question. Mm. I want to waste as much see. of Scott's time as possible. I have two oh, quick really questions. Pee. First is for Dylan. How, dude? I already get up twice during pee, this bro. recording. Just go. <laughs> oh wait, Scott. Uh, how much? How much do you think being a marginal gains entire nerd has helped you in the Grand Prix? If you just went with the status quo, would you have been knocked out of the top 20? I know it's all speculation, but I'm curious what you think. You know, I I know what Scott's answer is for this question. This is from Brian. I was just asked this question on Peak Torx podcast. He asked me if you weren't such, I mean, essentially his question was, if you weren't such a nerd, how much slower would you be? (laughs) Is that is does is the guy that from Peak Torque is his name Brian? No. <laughs> okay. Um, what was your answer? Much? Okay. I I talked about the Leadville drop bar bike and how the drop bars saved six minutes over a flat bar bike. So six minutes would have been the difference between getting seventeenth place and getting twenty first. So that and dude. So here's what I want to here's what I want to say though about the drop bar bike. Do you think it saved more even because the position is more comfortable and relaxed than like being in like the mountain bike aero position? Um, m- maybe. Sure, maybe we'll take it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so six plus minutes. I yeah sure I, it's possible. So I I think the answer so. For example, if I had to run like IRC tires or something or Maxis Refuse, I, I think that there's a decent chance that that could be the difference between getting 18th place at a Grand Prix race and 20th place at a Grand Prix race easily. Yeah, like we're not talking about you just like, you know, finishing pack fodder, you know, in the 12 plus hour lead bill times, right? I mean, like it's like we're still talking marginal gains here. Yeah, but it, it only takes a marginal gain to have a pretty significant improvement in your placing totally in the grand prix that's that's why the better you get the more marginal gains matter (laughs) yeah exactly i agree i'd agree with that (laughs) okay this next question is for scott what scott is it exhausting pretending not to care about (laughs) anything when it comes to cycling (laughs) (laughs) exhausting pretending is the key word there exactly (laughs) no (laughs) <laughs> That's it. Just no. <laughs> Do I, I pretend think, not to care? I think it is helpful that Scott is on these these road teams that do all of his equipment for him, and he doesn't have to yeah, think about it. Exactly. I'm not going to like care about something that I can't control. Okay. Right. Right. And it's probably better to just have like the you know ignorance is bliss. Like you don't even know your tires are slow. Yeah. True. Like if you looked up and you realized, like, oh man, our team's running Maxis Refuse this year. Like, <laughs> that is true. Every single race, you'd, you'd be like, oh, man, it's such a disadvantage. But if you don't even know, like Keegan has no idea how slow his tires are. He just still runs. I them. think he does know that, but <laughs> Maxis has just given him a fat check, so continues on. Yeah. Well, that was it for Brian's questions. Thanks, Brian. When did he ask that? Like April? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, it was January eighth, wow. man. Damn. So we're not we're not answering through. these questions in order. We're just like 
Just the most recent. We have like over a hundred <laughs> questions in queue, dude. I can't answer them in order. I just pick them at random. Whoa. Like this one, the one, the most recent one that literally just came in last night is a question for Dizzle. He's not here, so I'm not going to read that Let's one. Let's answer it anyway. Yeah. Because otherwise we'll never answer okay. it again. All right. Question for Dizzle. When he raced with Roadhouse last year, how did he feel racing on hookless wheels during oh, crit races? As if Dizzle did, would even know the answer to this question. Like, wait, they don't have hooks? <laughs> He'd be like, my, yeah, my, they were clinchers. My, my tires. Dizzle doesn't even know what hook in them. If you ask Dizzle <laughs> what is notice, a hookless wheel, he wouldn't even be able to tell you. <laughs> no. So did he notice at all? Just lots of opinions on hookless wheels and road scene. Also always enjoyed his recaps of national level crits. Gravel makes for far less fun videos. Wow. All right. Agreed with that. Dude. Uh, but yeah, I agree. D- Dizzle, I have no idea. How do you just, feel about hookless wheels? Just got breaking, breaking news here in the last 30 minutes. Scott already knows about it because he liked the post. Bruner on also on Trek bikes for the remainder of the cross season. <laughs> Whoa. Ooh. Add him not, to the, add not him the to same... The, the gravel roster not the same trek team as uh as everyone else that we just mentioned no no i'm just joking he probably just needs a oh it's not no he just he just he's not not on track i saw the post yeah he's on track he's on trek bikes for the rest of the cross season but is he racing for the same gravel team i have no idea could have just went to a bike shop and bought a trek that is true that is true I, yeah, so he had to race the pivot gravel bike. Do you think he he thought that that was a significant disadvantage for cyclocross racing, and he just was like, "I'm just going to buy a Trek." He was on a he was on a blue, <laughs> right? Or no, was, was he on, on last a, year? But not, this, or, uh, okay. I, I mean, 2022 this year he was, on he was pivot. but 2023 he was on a pivot gravel bike. Oh, gotcha, dude. I'm surprised that they only signed him in that team for one year. Like that that team or that contract faded after one year. Like blue. No, uh, pivot. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's it seems just, surprising. It's kind of it's weird like sign- for pivot to sponsor cyclocross racers, you know? Well, he was in the grand prix. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. They were what? Yeah. What's going on with pivot. They like dropped all of their athletes, but picked up some others or something like that. They Did don't they have drop a gravel team. Seems like, I don't think Taylor, Taylor's not riding with them anymore. Uh, I don't know yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a big Taylor's one. not. Haley Smith is out. Haley Smith was not on Pivot. Um, she, you know, but she was on Maxis, which was sponsored by Pivot. No, they I were was, sponsored I by she was Ibis. On Pivot. Ibis. Oh, Ibis. That's right. Okay, that's right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, I think Hannah Finchamp's still on Pivot. Huh. She's pretty pretty high profile name. Um, I don't yeah. know. Hmm. I think they're still doing right. fine. Like I don't think there's any speculation that Pivot's yeah, going under. Just here start rumors. <laughs> uh, so, Dylan, do you have anything to add for Dorian's question on hookless wheels for crit racing? Uh, I, I don't know, like what so, the gripe is. So like think, he says that there's lots yeah, of opinions. I mean, I think the, is it just worried about the tires blowing? I think off? the concern is that if you run too narrow a tire at too high a pressure, it could blow off the rim. But don't run too narrow a tire at too high a pressure. Like it's 2024. Don't do that. Get with if the times. If you were going to race crits. Or if you were going to give someone a suggestion on what tire size to race for crits, what do you think you would you would suggest? I was actually having this conversation 30. with Scott. Of course, I don't. Scott just left, so yeah. We're, but he didn't. He didn't even have an opinion on it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But cornering is so important in crits that it would seem to me that you would actually want a wide tire to improve cornering traction. 
I mean, I'm thinking like a really fast 40. Get Whoa. out of here, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, when you were thinking wide, I was thinking like maybe 32s. That's probably the widest I would go. I mean, but why? I feel like if you went from running 20, if you went from 25s to 40s, dude, you'd be like freaking rubbing tires all the time. I feel what do you like. mean rubbing tires? There's so much more tire there that you're going to like, it's going to rub other wheels and stuff. Rub other wheels? What? <laughs> like, there's just more tire volume that's going to, you're going to rub wheels with someone else. Like overlap oh, wheels. No, come on, dude. That's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> No, dude, I'm 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 actually serious about this. And like roadies are going to freak out that I said this. I don't think that the rolling resistance is any different between a 40 and a 25. The traction is way better. There's a little bit of an arrow penalty. But if you look at like the amount of arrow penalties that I see when I just look at my average, your average crit racer, I'm like, you could easily just swap those round handlebars for 40s and you would be way better off. Like if you, you know what I mean? It, cornering is so, i i cor- yeah i would say it doesn't seem like there's a ton of attention put on Corner- aerodynamics and in, in crew racing well it i mean it depends but like cornering is so and not over the top cornering is so important in crit racing you would think that you would actually try to maximize cornering traction somehow scott what's the widest tire you could see someone running realistically in like a uh nrc crit are you talking to me yeah yeah your name is yes. scott you're the crit guy. You're going to be doing all in. the crits this year. What's the widest tire you could see someone running in like a national level crit and being successful? Crit, uh, Scott, <laughs> Scott, what do you what do you make of somebody trying to run forties for a crit to maximize cornering traction? Is that a completely ridiculous idea? Yes. Um, I mean, I don't know. Why can't you go? Like, do you have to go to forties? Can you inch your way up and see how it feels? Well, you could inch your way up too, but I'm, I'm just saying. What like, what do people the, run now? I, you guys are like, like you're the guy, guy that should know. I don't know. Like two years. I think they're running twenty eights. Is what they're running. Like they're just running what everyone else is running for road, which is twenty eights. But I, what I'm trying to get at is that cornering traction is so important for crit racing. You would think that you would try to somehow maximize cornering traction. Yeah, but I don't know. There's not that many. But do you really think that, like, are you in corners? Yeah, like, are you limited on 28s as far as like cornering yeah. traction goes? Like, rarely. I don't see maybe if you don't have enough talent. That many. <laughs> I don't see that many crashes in corners. I mean, of course, it's. I'm not, I'm not even talking about crashes in corners. I'm talking about getting through a corner faster than the person next to you. Yeah, but what's the li- limiting don't factor? Break. You crash, right? Uh huh. So if traction was a problem, you'd see more crashes. Like you're not really touching your brakes or crashing. Right. That's okay. What I'm so saying. you're saying like that a, cornering traction isn't a big deal in a crit. I mean, it is. It's a not big a big deal. deal on current equipment, is what Scott's saying. Maybe in the rain. Mm-hmm. That, but that's different. Okay. Um. So Scott Dorian sent in a question asking how Drew feels about hookless wheels. For crit racing, which Drew's not here and he wouldn't have any opinion anyways. Do you have any, do you know what that is? I'm going to guess it has something to do where the tire and the rim meet. <laughs> and there's not a hook <laughs> on the rim. Yes, you're correct. Do you think hookless is okay for crits? Is it tubeless? Yeah. I don't know enough to <laughs> form an opinion. This is, yeah. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Tyler, why'd you change hey, what's your Tyler doing? recording device? Is your mic no longer plugged in? He can, he clearly can't hear us. 
Are you stretching right now? Because you you feel like you need to increase your flexibility. He can't hear us. Which, can't should we make us. fun of him? <laughs> <laughs> so Scott, what what is if you were going to give a recommendation for what tire size to run for crits? Do you have any opinion? I would say a twenty eight is status quo. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Fair enough. Because then at least you'll be on an even playing field with the majority of the country. Why do you want to be on an even playing field? You want an Why advantage. Why don't want to be worse? You want to be an advantage, dude. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Scott doesn't want to be worse, so he's going to be the same. Dylan looks at it like, I don't want to be the same owner. I, so I think that a lot... But, but in doing that, you take a risk that it's also you know what? Worse, you know what right? I've, I've thought about? Like, the difference between my mentality with equipment versus, I would say, 90% of racers' mentality with equipment. Most people assume that the status quo is correct, and I think that I generally assume that the status quo is wrong. And sometimes I'm wrong about that, and sometimes the status quo is wrong about that. Or maybe not wrong, but you're saying not optimal. Sure. Like, not sure. the best. Yeah, I guess wrong is the wrong word. But I, I'm always assuming that... I. I I just always assume that whatever equipment everybody is on is not the best equipment that it could possibly be. Whereas I think everybody else just assumes that we've got bikes figured out and I just need to run what everyone else is running because that is the fastest thing. All right. But if you're right. just like a not that experienced person running what everyone else is running, it's yeah, probably a safe Sure, bet. sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Agreed. Like I, I, yeah, we're like I always minutes, assume so. that there's that there's something there's something more you can do to optimize, which is why I throw out like you should run forties in a crit to improve tra- cornering traction. Yeah, but how many seventeenth place finishes do you need to realize that that's just not the case anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I get, I I would I would argue that I'm just not talented enough, and then yeah, and then true. Drew would get all riled up. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> you're talented just not enough exactly all right i'll see you guys later let's yeah we'll shut this down (laughs) tyler your mic stopped working by the way yeah i know i don't know what happened i was trying to go on a walk and it you know stopped recording (laughs) a zone two walk (laughs) that's that's all i get these days (laughs) okay enjoy your walk bud yeah oh